Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Actors Space. This is a brand new podcast brought to you with support of Creatives at Work. My name is Laura Key, and I will be a host for this series. Now, in the Actors Space, we will be talking about the working actor's life. How do we pursue our love for acting while navigating the business side of this craft? We aim to create more conversations about the challenges of building a sustainable acting career in Singapore. So a little bit more about myself. I have been a freelance actor since 2008. And when I say freelance, some people think it's a hobby or it's part-time, but actually I do this full-time. So I am my own boss, I manage my own time, but I also have to find my own jobs. So I've worked on TV dramas, short films, theatre plays, corporate videos, commercials, and so on. And with that, let's head straight into episode 1, starting an acting career in Singapore. And today, I have two guests with me, Shannon Sue and Kimberly Q. Shannon is an MC, actress, and content creator. She has been on various Channel 8 Mandarin dramas, Titan Academy on YouTube, as well as in the December Rains musical. Kimberly is a multidisciplinarian performer, both on stage and on screen. She has been on drama productions like This Land Is Mine and the recent Tito Dao Season 2. Kim is a certified yoga teacher and also learns stunts and film combat at Sandbox Training Ground. So I know both of you, Shannon and Kimberly, uh, you were actually pursuing different careers before becoming actors. So could you share a little bit more about what you were doing before you started your acting career? Kim? Yeah, of course. Um, so before I started acting, I was in um, advertising. So not so far away from the production life. I was doing a lot of uh, client servicing. I was doing a lot of pitching. So that was me. And I think I was in advertising for about six years. Six years, six to seven years before I decided I want to do acting full time, but I didn't know where to start, how to proceed. I was like, oh my gosh, financial stability, what do I do? Then I took a few classes to kind of get myself into it. So that happened. And a year later, so eight years in, I quit my full time job and came out to become an actor. So why why did you suddenly make this plunge, you know? Was there a specific event or something that made you decide that you wanted to do this? No, I think I've always wanted to be in performing arts. I, When I was in school, I actually wanted to go into LaSalle. So I auditioned, I actually got in. But, you know, typical parents, they're like, hmm, let's not do that because you don't know what your future might bring. Um, are you really that talented? Are you sure you're going to get have a career out of this? And as I started working uh, in my full-time job, thankfully, my bosses were really, really understanding and they know that I have this passion. I was full-timing and I was part-time acting, mostly in commercials. I couldn't do long-form kind of productions really because I'm working full-time. And as I started to get a little bit more gigs, more roles, I think I have saved enough money and why not just try, right? Because if you don't try, then... I know myself, I know I will regret it. And on top of that, I think going into different courses, acting communities, especially with HCAC and things like that, you have a group of people who also have 
similar struggles, uh, similar passions, and you start to see the possibility. So I was, I think I'm really thankful for this community that, that we have. A lot of people think that freelancers are lone wolves. They think that we compete a lot. But it's very important to build this community around you that supports you, cheers you on. Shannon, I think uh, I knew Shannon a long while back. And she was actually a social worker. Yes. So Shannon, do you want to share a little bit more about your life before you became an actor and what made you decide to take this leap into acting? Well, so like you said, uh, I was a social worker. So dealing with delinquents and their families, which a lot of times comes with a lot of problems, totally burned out. So after five years in the non-profit sector, I literally actually waited uh, and prayed for one year. And and actually, uh, I was reminded uh, that I love to perform uh, when I was a kid. So actually quite similar to Kimberly, uh, I wanted to study in LaSalle yeah, or NAFA. And my mom, being the typical mother like yours, Kimberly, she was like, huh? <laughs> like literally, you know, like performance. Are you sure you can put bread and butter on the table? Yeah. So I was reminded about all these things, you know, when I was much younger, right? So I was like, hey, you know what? Um, let's really just give this a try. So I went for classes and then the instructor then was Kelvin Sung. Yeah, who's also a movie director. And he was like, hey, Shannon, actually you got quite a flair for acting. So finally, I just fired my boss and I started freelancing. <laughs> but actually acting itself, having a career in acting is not that simple as well. It can be very yeah. mentally and emotionally taxing. I mean, for myself, I've actually never known another career. I did study economics, but I did eventually go to LaSalle. So I did ah. study in LaSalle. I think that a common point for all of us is that we really thought that training was really important before we started off our careers, uh, whether it be coming from a different career, advertising, social work, or just coming into this line. Uh, Shannon, do you have any experience? Do you do any other work before, you know, any acting work or that before you decided to take this plunge? No, not at all. It was literally like, a, would you call it a blind plunge? And then I was just thinking, um, you know what? I, if I really want to do this thing, let's give it a year or two right? To just try it out because I really don't want to live my life with regrets. Who knows if it works out, then I can tell, you know, my future children or, you know, nieces, nephews that, hey, you know, your cuckoo over here, you know, your ama over here, tried this thing before and it's uh, just, just live and pursue your dreams, girls. Yeah. Or boys. I truly, fully, 100% agree with Shannon. I think for me as well, when I, when I was deciding to take a, take this kind of plunge right into into the acting um, industry it really was that like it's a if I don't do now then then when and it, it's this idea of no regrets and I might yeah. be showing my age but like you know hashtag YOLO right why not like why not do it yeah so that was I, I really 100% I feel you Shanna I feel the words <laughs> exactly like YOLO was really the word back then hey actually we are very different generations but we still have the YOLO thing you know <laughs> But I'm sure the younger ones who listen to us and we hear us say YOLO, they'll be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so it's like YOLO, but at the same time, you have a backup plan. Yeah. So we're not being reckless here, okay? Very, important, Very Singaporean. Okay. Very Singaporean. I need to have a backup plan for the backup plan. <laughs> so, okay. So once you decided, okay, I'm going to do this right, how do you know where to start from? The first thing I did 
was come up with an Excel sheet. I am not someone who saves very much money, at least then. Uh, I'm a completely different person now because, I mean, going into something so unstable and acting freelance, at least freelance acting at, at where I am in my career right now is, is unstable. And so when I first started, I really looked at how much money I had in my bank I track my income, I, tra I track my expenses, um, whether I'm in the reds or whether I'm in the green. Um, and when I show one of my friends who, who I've known for ages uh, this Excel spreadsheet, and I went, do you think this is a good idea? Do you think this is enough to, to keep me afloat? She was like, you have an Excel spreadsheet? Like, are you Kim right now? Like, what's going on? But, but that's how important it is. Like, as Shannon said, this is not just us jumping into it blindly. It's really calculated risk. You look at what you have, how how can you um, continue this journey? Because you don't want to just jump in and then swim for a little bit and then get tired and 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 kind of burn out, right? Because that's something that's not sustainable. And make sure you have a runway that you can kind of go go for casting and not expect to get something back. Because really, you get your first audition cannot be right. So I mean, great if you do, but I didn't. So. Yeah, it literally we did the similar we did we did almost the same thing. Yeah. So I, I literally also look at okay, how what's my expenses, the needs, yeah. We're not talking about once, right? So you just make sure you have like maybe at least six months to twelve months uh of buffer that can that you can survive on. So yeah, so just having just calculating how much do you require and just save from there. Yeah, and I think also um a lot of times people think that, oh, once I quit my job to become an actor, it's like sure success, you know? Like I once I audition maybe 10 times, I get five out of the 10. Wow. It's <laughs> not, <laughs> so, no, really. Because I teach, I teach acting as well. And these are some of the things that my students have assumptions about or they think that's, that's what it is. And I usually tell them that you got to play the long game. You need to allow yourself the time to play this long game. It's not so, it's not a quick success. And I think, I don't know why, but people think that it's, like that like it's so easy you know I have a pretty face and then I can you know say a few lines I can memorize a few lines and I'm I'm in um I mean that would be great lah but that's not that's not the case uh, at least for me do you have an audition success rate do you track your auditions oh, what's no. the percentage wow that's a, that's a... <laughs> no <laughs> that's for me very helpful uh I've done recently like what auditions I've gone for uh how much of it do I land kind of thing and usually people do say it's about 10%, which is about one out of 10. So uh, actually, now that you are an actor, you have a financial philosophy. Is there some way that you manage your finances, especially, you know, being so unstable in income, right? Are there things that you've learned and also things that you want to achieve in terms of finances? I feel like my approach hasn't really changed very much. But when you ask that question, immediately I thought about the value of my time. You know, in the beginning, when you guys, when we when we start, you know, be, uh, in this industry, we never really said no to roles because we want to put ourselves out there. We want to make sure that, you know, we are connecting with people, creating network. And so we just kind of got a lot of roles, even if the time that you had to spend on these roles uh, didn't reap the same monetary kind of balance but I think right now I'm a little bit more protective of my time and so when I when I receive kind of uh, casting 
notices for roles that require that I'm required for for like I don't know a few days and it's like fifty dollars a day, I would generally say no, really because it doesn't make sense. But I think it's a I'm blessed to be able to say that I can sort of pick and choose right now. Not to say I'm super successful. Um, don't take it the wrong way. But I think my priorities have shifted a little bit. And so that has also affected how I see kind of money and my finances. And even I lump it all together, even my time. So I think for me, this philosophy that I have is still the same, which is one, always pay your credit card bills in full. Yep, like never ever owe the bank money, never ever pay just the bare min- minimum because uh, the interest rate is crazy, right? Yeah, so, and of course, always spend within your means. Yeah, and during COVID time, right, I know there were a lot of people in the industry who couldn't really survive. Yeah, because they have no savings or very minimal savings. And that is very sad because as freelancers, we really need to know how to manage our savings. So really, it's about uh, back to tracking your expenses and definitely tracking your income as well. I literally track, so like this month, how many gigs I get, which is worth how much, and then how much I collected this month. So it's different, yeah? Because if you maybe uh, you earn, say, or you did $2,000 worth of gigs, for example, but you only collected $1,000. Hey, that's different, okay? So you also need to really be able to track uh, who owes you money. Yeah, and oh my gosh, for all future actors or people who want who want to do this, make sure you have a freaking invoice like template because I think that was the biggest thing, not biggest lah, but one of the bigger things I learned in that I have to really keep track of the people who owe me money. And it was very difficult when I did not have an invoice and or if my invoice did not have the details or like, you know, loading and things like that. People always say, oh yeah, I already told you. But you you think, I think then who confirmed, right? So I think protecting yourself and making sure that, you know, you're not being uh, difficult to work with. You're just kind of making sure that all the facts are covered and you're protecting yourself as an actor. And if you don't get contracts, right, uh, you still have to get things in writing, uh, whether it be via messaging or via email. You still should get all the key details in writing, uh, you know, payment terms, how much is the amount, how long you're going to work for, how, uh, you know, is it a 12-hour day, a 10-hour day, is it a half day, things like that. At the heart of it all, this is a business, right? This is a, not not just a passion or, you know, not just, you know, something they were doing as a hobby. This is really our business and we are all small business owners of our own careers. Yeah, we are all our own brands. I would say we are our own companies. You know, like those big companies, right? They have all the different departments, marketing department, HR, finance, the production, you know, service recovery, customer service. We do every single thing. With the product as well. Exactly, right? That's why it's so important to have a community as well. Because during COVID, actually, a lot of the freelancers came together to help one another, I think in terms of, you know, applying for grants and all these all these nitty-gritty things that on a daily basis we don't really do. Or like learn how to pay tax. Like it's tax season, guys. I think the first time I ever had to do my own tax, because, you know, when you're working full-time, they pay tax for you. I was like, I'm dead. I do not know what to do. I, I don't know what to put in. And that's why, lesson is that manage your finances because if you don't keep track of your stuff you can't pay your taxes either yep totally 
actually when you file your taxes as well, for acting as a Singapore, performance in Singapore, you get to file some business expenses. Yes. Like so you get to file classes, your wardrobe, hair, makeup that you use in your work can actually also be used as, of course, in your work life, not your personal life. I put my mask at home. I mean... Hey, but putting um, masks is also part of maintaining <laughs> ourselves, right? All right? Yes, you can argue, okay? As long as you can... So, so all these things can be included at business expenses when you're filing your taxes. Hey, phone bills can? Can? Okay. <laughs> if you can separate it, if it's a completely different, like you can oh, argue nice. that it's, yeah, it's only your business line, then okay. I think uh, Kimberly mentioned earlier, loading, right, uh, are all these things you picked up along the way? Did someone teach you this? Uh, how do you think about, you know, your fees or your loading? How do you think about it? How do you price yourself? I think when I first started, I basically priced myself in a way that I felt like I would get the job. So take it as you will. It might not be actually a good thing for the industry, really, because it may be seen as undercutting. And as I started to build my portfolio, that's when I started to increase the fee that I was asking for. I think eventually that was something that I realized was really important because if I continued doing what I was doing, it would not be very good for the industry as a whole uh, and for myself eventually because it would affect me as well. And I think I knew the concept of loading before I started because, again, I was in advertising. So I knew the concept, but I never really knew how to charge. I know that I have to charge something, but the percentage behind that, whether it's a market, whether it is duration, whether it's a platform or everything altogether, I think I didn't, I had to figure it out along the way. But I, I do think that right now, it is really important to make sure that you don't undercut the market, but at the same time, know your worth. Yeah, and there are people, you know, who, they're veterans who actually says that charge the amount that you would be willing to roll out of bed for, right? But then again, you know, it came from a veteran who is very well established, you know, or relatively well established and who has a certain demand for this actor, right? So I realized that Although this advice is good, but it's not for everyone also. Yeah, so if let's say you're a pure new beginner, definitely you can't command a certain high amount, right? So really, like what Kim say, charge what you think you are worth at that point in time. So if you keep getting callbacks, if you keep getting jobs uh, over time, you know that it's definitely time to increase your rate. So don't fear increasing your rate. If they cannot see your worth, it is okay. Find other companies, production companies who can see your worth. So no right or wrong answers is really up to individuals in that sense. But which also in a way sucks because that means that this industry is very unregulated. It was, I have had so many experiences being on set and you know, people talk and you ask your co-actor and your scene partner, hey, how much are you getting? And they, and they actually say an amount that is like much bigger than you. And I was like, how, how do you get that? Oh, I just I just asked for it. I was like, damn, I should have just asked for it. You know, because there's this fear of like, oh, sh oh shoot, they, they might not, they might choose someone else um, just because they are okay with that, that price. And I guess, again, it's knowing your worth, right? If they are willing to cast you, I'm sure they would be willing to have some sort of negotiation. I mean, don't ask for like 100 times more, but there, there is room for negotiation. 
But also, uh, I think I, we don't want to give the illusion or the perception that if you ask, you will surely get an increase yeah, or you will still get the same job at the same price. So just to keep the expectations, you know, a little bit more transparent in that sense. Yeah, so uh, it can go either way, whether it's for the better or for the worse. And so it is just really important to just keep going for auditions, keep kind of putting yourself out there. And even if you don't get a role, you are remembered. So I auditioned for another TV show, did not get a role there. And the casting director on that previous project was then on Tito Tao. And she was like, hey, you know what? Come and audition anyway. And let's see what you can get. And that's how I got Tito Tao. I didn't apply or anything. And I think it was a close casting also. You work hard, you reap what you sow. Really, really. I think the key thing right to me is just start. Just start somewhere. It doesn't matter where. It doesn't matter like for what role just try I think that's that's a, a very big thing to have that willpower to just take that one step forward okay right now do you have other work other than being an actor well so for me uh, I do hosting of events yeah so I know a lot of uh, friends they actually uh, teach yeah, teach speech and drama, teach acting classes and stuff. So, but personally, I really don't like teaching, especially in the classroom setting. Yeah, I think that's where we are different, Kim, <laughs> finally. Thank God everything, you know, worked out well as well because um, hosting actually pays much more than acting. And then after that, because of COVID, uh, I actually also went into training uh, adults, not kids you know not students so went to training went into coaching as well so yep so these are some of the other kind of uh, extra income yeah and um, for myself I teach acting and I also teach yoga so I'm a yoga teacher but I mean Shannon I, I also cannot teach children eh? I mean I mean I love teaching adults because I think Adults, or at least people of a certain age, we have lived sort of a, a life. We have experienced certain things. I don't really teach like the techniques of acting. What I do teach is really um, how to be a better person, how to be more self-aware. Because I think as an actor, it's really important to be able to be self-aware, to know your limits as a, as a person, so that whether it's physically, mentally, whatever, so that if you need to tap into certain things, you are able to. I used to teach kids uh, right at the beginning of my career. Unfortunately, unless you do have a contract or you know you are like really, really like working on movies, after dramas, it's very difficult to uh, purely survive on acting in Singapore, I think. So I do emceeing, but that was only in recent years. And then actually I moved into something that's very interesting that I think some actors can consider. Uh, I moved into production work. So then I went to do behind the scenes on feature films. I did assistant directing, script supervising. And from there, actually what happened was that you expand your knowledge of how filming works. You know, beyond what you do in front of the screen, you understand the different roles, you understand different responsibilities, and also your network expands. It's building a community of people in this industry that you know you're working together, getting to know production crew as friends versus just people behind the camera. I think it's really important as well. So I guess just to kind of just move and wrap up the session, what is your biggest dream as an actor? Wow. Hard, huh? I think the biggest thing for me right now 
dream or goal is to be able to act, right? I mean, we talked this entire uh, episode about, you know, how we manage the finances, what else we do outside of acting, um, how we sustain, how we make sure that we are able to keep doing this um, thing that we're doing. How can we get better at it? I think my dream is to be able to act full stop and to be able to communicate. So it's not just to act, but it is also to be able to play roles that have an impact? For me, I think my dream is to be able to get people to relate to me and feel that, oh my God, you know, she portrayed this role so accurately that I'm not alone. I don't feel alone anymore in this world. So I'm not chasing, you know, acting as I, I must be an actress forever right? So, I don't know, it probably sounds a bit, you know, contradictory over here because I'm on an acting podcast now. (laughs) But yeah, but that's something I think maybe, you know, people who are hearing this can consider as well is, why are you joining this industry? Is it for the fame? Is it for the influence? Is it for what? But yeah, acting is really not all glamorous. <laughs> There's a lot of hard work that goes behind the scenes. And also, even if even as you do this, 20% of your time will be on set or on stage. 80% of the time, you're working on yourself. You're working on your skills. You're going for auditions. You're going to networking sessions. You are doing things like this where you are talking to people about your career. You are kind of just doing things buffer and build your your time on set and your time on stage. And if you think that 80% of your time is going to be on set, then um, think again, really, because that's not as realistic as you would like it to be. Again, unless you are a celebrity uh, who have a certain demand already. And that's kind of the reality of, of things. I often tell people that I don't want to retire so, you know, there's always this, oh, when are you going to retire? 65 years old, 68 years old. I'm like, no, I, I want to do this when I'm 80 years old, if I live that long. La. If I'm 80, 85, I don't want to regret not pursuing this passion, I think. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really important for me that I think to have no regrets, like we mentioned before, to have no regrets and to just do what you really love. But of course, Managing it well as a business, as a career as well. I think like what Michelle Yeoh said at the Oscars, never let anyone tell you you are past your prime. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. So once again, thank you so much, Shannon and Kimberly, for joining me on the first episode of The Actors Space. Now, of course, there's lots more to chat about when it comes to the life of working actors in Singapore. So do stay tuned for future episodes. If you want to continue the conversation, you can drop me a comment or message on my socials. I can be found at LauraKeyLT on Instagram. In the meantime, please follow Freelance Creative Exchange, rate and review us, and tell your friends all about the actor's space. In our next episode, we will be speaking with a director and learn more about creating a better working relationship on set. So I'll catch you again next time.